0: Hello and welcome to episode 171 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 75 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I will be doing our final uh, season uh, position preview review tonight, uh, taking a look at the closer position or relief pitcher position. Uh, We'll go through some ADP uh, debates uh, guys who are going close to one another, take a look at some unsolved mysteries of bullpens, and then we'll take a bunch of listener questions. So hopefully this is helpful as you look towards your drafts that are either have are ongoing or um, are coming up, uh, some big drafts coming up in the next couple weeks as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. So hopefully this is helpful to you. Um, yeah, thank you uh, so much for listening. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at batflip crazy. You can reach Bub on Twitter at BDNTrack. Let's get this party started.
1: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the BatFlip, episode 75, Your Relief Pitcher Review. We're like two weeks away from the season starting, so it's the last positional thing we're going to do. Uh, we'll get that covered for you, some battles, some... ADP debates and a lot of awesome listener questions to get you ready for this big weekend of draft action. You can find me on Twitter at pdentrick and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Is he wearing the Padres hat to mourn Austin Nola or not? I can't figure it out. But Toby,
0: how are we doing? Oh man, I'm a fortunate man. I have zero shares of Austin Nola right now this year. I guess it pays to pay up at catcher, Bubba. That's what I'm learning.
1: You've had some. I'm just kidding you've had some fun this week between the catchers like standing you're standing your ground and then vlad guerrero's going nuts right now so you're either like your your mentions are probably like half of half your mentions have to be like ha 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 and it's, it's spring training
0: yeah it's interesting like even with vlad so this is where my this is where my bias like my confirmation bias or whatever i don't know if it's confirmation bias whatever my bias is seeps in right so vlad has this great game four for four whatever three rbi and so i'm like Got to check out this box score and see what was really going on, and then it's like, oh, it was against Aaron Nola. Well, whatever. But then, like, I look at I look at his at the baseball savant box score. One of his hits, he didn't hit any homers. One of his hits was a single that had a expected batting average of 140, and one of his doubles had a launch angle of two degrees, so it was on the ground, hit hard, right? But still, it's like. All right. So there's nothing to see here. I mean, he hit a couple balls hard, you know, great job. Wonderful. Congratulations. I mean, I know I'm digging it pretty deep here with the Vlad Jr. stuff. I mean, and it is what it is, right? Like, I'm not a fan of his. I've articulated my reasons for why that is. And he could blow up and he could be good. But if I were to abandon my my moral and ethical compass, and go against what I truly believe, then who would I be?
1: You'd just be another uh, fantasy analyst. No, i just
0: kidding. I, just, <laughs> I, I mean, like, why, why even be on here if like yeah. every single thing I see is like, this guy is not there yet, which doesn't mean he won't get there, you know? And that's the thing is, if I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to say, I was absolutely wrong. I missed out on Vlad, I'm really sorry. And then the second thing I'll say is it really doesn't matter because where you're drafting Vlad, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not going to win you a league because of what he does. Famous last words. Uh, You know, when you draft him in the third round, like I think people are going to draft him or in the fourth round. And so I'll just hang back. I'll just like relax back and wait and watch all those really good hitters like Jose Abreu fall deeper and deeper into drafts. (laughs) Just grab them and you'll be like, well, Vlad went, 285 with 25 home runs and 85 runs and 90 RBI. And then I'll be like, well, Jose Abreu who I took it around later because you were pushing up all those guys is, you know, he, he did that. And and more because he's on a better offensive team, you know, because the Blue Jays are a little
1: overrated again. This year. Oh, I'm talking bad about the baby Blue Jays now, <laughs> man. I think my internet's going out. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Is, I, 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 I love the baby Blue Jays. <laughs> I love the baby, baby Blue
0: Jays. I just think. You know, I expect some steps back from Teoscar this yes. year. I know you oh, don't. No, I do. Um, I do. I
1: have Gurriel yeah. being better than Teoscar. Teoscar, I, I, mm-hmm. we saw his ceiling last year. Like it, yeah. he's 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 still going to be good, but you know, we saw his ceiling. Don't don't expect, don't draft for that. Otherwise, you're already losing. So totally. Yeah. But who knows? Uh,
0: we may like, have seen them great. I think George Springer Springer's going to be great there. I think mean, that's a tremendous. That's going to help a ton.
1: Simeon's going to help a ton. Simeon's great. They okay. made really good additions. Too. Really good additions to the lineup. Of those additions. Yeah. yeah. So the biggest question is, can Rowdy Tellez play enough? That's that's what I want to see. I know. Yeah.
0: I mean, they they should. They should. You know, they they really very should. very skilled. I'm tempted. I'm tempted
1: even already. even this spring, like all the Statcast games, he's in, his exit velocities and everything is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's good. Yes, Cubby, no, you you're here for the Wittigren pop propaganda, and you came to the right place. Thank you. You did. You. you did. I I just want to come out and say, yeah, obviously, if you're listening to this, you guys listen to enough shows. When I see people now touting Whitigren as the guy, and they think they're the first ones to do it, I'm gonna start pulling back episodes because I've been Team Whitigren from the get go. Like it was never an option. So I'm just gonna throw that one out there. But yeah,
0: we'll we, we're just Team Non Karinchak. Yes, non-Karin check you know? exactly. Non-Karin, Corin I don't know.
1: I you're going You were. thinking. of I something. to go. I was gonna
0: try to do something yeah. there, but I couldn't quite make it work. But I mean, I um, yeah, I, I think, and and the thing about it too is, um, it's okay. Yeah, you can like Wicker and you can draft him. You can draft him ahead of us. That's
1: fine. Yep. This is this is the game that we play, right? Yep. Exactly. We play chess while well, you play checkers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but one more thing before we get into the relief pitcher. So I started a, a new OC qualifier today. And it's a two-hour mm. clock. And um, it started out this, this evening because it finally filled. And I had the number one pick. So I took Soto because that's my guy. Like, that's who I'm planting my flag with. And I, you can make arguments for many of them. But that's not the point of this this topic right here. So the 15th pick overall, the third pick of round two. But remind you, this is not an overall this is you win your league, you win an OC for next year. Uh, top 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 three guys get get money basically. The third place gets fifty bucks, gets their money back, and then a hundred, and then you get a ticket. Fifteenth pick overall, Alberto Mondesi. Wow, I can't stomach that. Not in, it has in an overall. In an overall, I can see your discussion. In a not overall not at fifteen. Like I, I like him still, but not at like. That's 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 a steep price for me. It is a steep price. I mean, the one thing that I would say is first place is all you care
0: about, right? Yeah. So maybe that person goes into it and they're like, I you want to know by. something? I'm just – I'm going to shoot my shot right here. Yeah. Like if I'm going to put it on Mondesi and if Mondesi is good this year, then my team is going to be really good. And if well, he's and not, I'll, then I'll I'll finish you know, in the back of the pack and whatever.
1: And, and at the same time, he probably wasn't making it back to 33. So he's probably thinking about that going – Okay, because honestly, at, if he would have been there at the turn, maybe I would have debated it. Yeah. So it could have been some that maybe that's part of it too. You know what I? We've said before is if you're at the end, you got to go get your guys. Maybe that's his way of getting his guy. I don't know, but yeah. it surprised me. That's the highest I've seen him go in a draft I've been a part of.
0: God, don't so. remind me. I'm drafting from the two spot in my my first main on Saturday. Yeah, it was, three, it was from the three spot. Sorry, so not spot. like super end, but oh, yeah, still, you'll get one. Know, you'll get you, one you know of you your guys. guys. Aren't going to get. You'll get one of your guys back, at least.
1: So. Yeah, I thought about that when you posted it. Because even when I saw my KDS draw and I got first, in years past, you're over the moon about that. I literally was like, shit. Like Because I already know my second and third round picks are going to be – I'm going to be working, putting in work to, to get what I want type thing. So, yeah, Both team league, but not sure. as bad as 15. Not as bad and, as 15. So. And,
0: and I just 15. want to say, I apologize if I look to the side a little bit during this podcast. I'd mention this to Bubba, but I'm, I'm sweating a DFS – you know <laughs> tournament it's not looking good so i'll probably stop looking over there but um i got i had a really stellar start to my to my um to my to my i don't know what it's slate or whatever slate, today slate. Yeah, yeah 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 i had like 240 points with lebron and kuzma left and lebron and kuzma especially kuzma isn't doing anything so oh well
1: yeah We'll see. Long ways to go. Basketball's goofy like that, but let's let's talk, let's talk relief. Let's talk relief pitcher review. And I just kind of made a little bit of groupings here. Some debates. There's we've kind of talked about them a ton, and most of them it's kind of is what it is at this point in the draft. But if anybody's keeping track at home, we're using online NFBC ADP for March first. Today is March 16th, so it gives us 43 drafts. I probably could have shrunk it down a little more if I really wanted to, but I figured two weeks was decent. But that, that just shows you drafts are flying right now. But the first five closers, relief pitchers, I should say, off the board Liam Hendricks at pitch, pick 55, Josh Hader at pick 60, Aroldis Chapman at 65 and a half. Um, you have Rossell, or Edwin Diaz at 70 and Rossell Iglesias about 79. So from 55 to 79, you have five closers off the board. I kind of cr- kept them together because for me personally, you can be different, obviously. This is kind of like the tier. If I'm trying to get a big guy, I want one of these five. Otherwise, it's a different ballgame. So how do you view these five if you're going into a draft? And, like, how aggressive would you be towards them type of thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll put aside my just my own personal biases against drafting relievers this high in drafts. Real quick, I'll I'm, be
1: honest. Putting the outline together, I know Toby's <laughs> strategy, so I'm sitting there going, "Okay, how can I do this? We cover all the bases, but don't just go. Nope, we're just talking about the last twelve guys." <laughs>
0: totally. and, I, and I have a lot of thoughts too. I have a lot of thoughts about a lot of the situations, but um, no, I mean, I think Liam Hendricks for me is top. You know, he's got to be the best guy. He's just been lights out the last year, two years, really. I mean, whatever you call last year and the year before that. I mean, just incredible from a skills perspective there. And he goes into a great situation, not only with the team, but I think also with just the context in terms of uh, the division he's playing in and the opportunity he'll have for for saves. So I just think he, for me, is kind of head and shoulders above everybody. Um, H- hater, you know, I have a little bit of issue with hater. Just because the Brewers, the way they've utilized him is just a little bizarre. I mean, like last year, they had such weird utilization of him. And saves are so key. But he's been dominant, too, so I understand it. You know, he has gotten a little bit worse, I think, with each progressive year. There are some home run issues, concerns there. I don't I don't think he's pitched great this spring, which isn't necessarily something to hold against him. But you'd obviously prefer that he looked good in spring so far. So again, not a guy that I'm really that interested in where he's going. And I think the, the value that he provides Chapman, I think would probably be my number two, just because he's, he's been so solid. He's never really been bad. He's always been elite. The innings are lower, but the saves are still there. And that's really what you're buying when, you know, when you, um, when you draft a guy this high is you want those saves, you want those 30 saves. There's 30 plus saves because in, in for instance, like a main event, 80th percentile is 73 saves. So if you get your one 30 save guy, you can piece together 43 saves from other players. And so I think that that's really important to um, to factor into the equation. Um, You know, so I really like Chapman and obviously the skills, the velo was down last year, but I'm not as concerned because the skills were, again, they actually took a jump forward last year. I think he started using his splitter a little bit more. Um, if my memory is serving me correctly, and just, I think, you know, better. Uh, Diaz, obviously a wild card, but the skills are off the charts again. I mean, all the guys we're talking about are like, their swinging strike rates are somewhere like between 17 and 22% or something like that. Just absolutely bonkers, you know, um, skill wise. The, the, The contact that he gives up is always a concern. The inconsistency is a concern. Again, when you're spending uh, a pick, you know, a top probably 60 pick when it, when all is set and done, when we get into the big drafts later this month, you know, that inc- inconsistency worries me, right? Uh, the fact that in the past when he struggled, the Mets haven't given him, you know, that long of a, of a leash, you know, concerns me a little bit. So I think of this group, you know, Hayter and Diaz are kind of my avoids, recognizing that the ceiling is, is absolutely massive for, for both of them. Um and then Iglesias I really like as well. I think he's a little he's interesting as a closer just because he brings, you know, 3-4 pitches that he throws a decent amount. He was really good last year. He actually improved. He's been improving, you know, despite some I think rumblings that maybe he was starting to fade. He's going to be really good. I think the Angels situation is a great situation as well. The ballpark's fine. I think the Angels will win plenty of games. I think the NL, the AL West is a nice place to pitch. Just generally speaking, I mean, I, You know, the A's are taking a step back. The Mariners are rebuilding, although I think, you know, they got, they're going to be okay. The Rangers are going to be god awful um, offensively. I mean, talk about a team you're going to want to stream against, I think. So, anyways, that has nothing to do with Iglesias necessarily, except for the fact that I think he'll get plenty of saves. And I also think that he's a highly skilled guy. And that's really what you're asking for when you draft a guy here, right? And one of my, arguments against it as we've seen the last couple years but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's always the case right they have been reliable in the past sometimes is just that like when you're drafting the guys this high with a 65 inning sample anything is possible regardless of the skills we saw that with diaz where he happened to give up a bunch of home runs and he happened to have a lot of guys on base when he gave up those home runs and so, you know, he, he really hurt you a couple of years ago. Uh, that can happen at any point in time, a couple of rough outings, and it's hard to make up for it. So that's my general, you know, thing against closures in addition to just just not thinking that, thinking that I can get something relatively similar way back there where I don't feel as confident about getting a top 60 player, you know, when I'm drafting them at pick 200 or whatever it is. So that's kind of how I would order them, I guess, Hendricks, Chapman. Uh, Iglesias probably I wouldn't go after hater or Diaz, but again, I understand why people would be interested in them.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on Hendricks. Hendricks is my number one as well, and uh, he's been great the last two years, like you mentioned, going to a, a better environment potentially for more saves with the White Sox than in Oakland. If you just think about the division as a whole and how good that White Sox team should be this year, so I'm, I'm a huge Hendricks fan. Uh, In that scenario, at number one, I'm glad to see uh, NFPC the ADPs have shifted because it was for a long time their hater was still number one. But that's slowly uh, moving along here. I have hater at number two, but I'm pretty much not drafting him anywhere. I have a number two because if he is the closer closer, he's probably better than Hendricks. But I have concerns about, A, how the Brewers use him because they could use him in high leverage spots, leading to more Devin Williams saves because they have the luxury of having two great back-end bullpen guys. Not saying the hater's not going to get a handful of saves. He's going to probably get 20, 25 saves if he closes the whole year, maybe more. But there's still that question to be had there. And if you're taking an early pick on him, I want the guy like a Hendrix locked into that job. Um, so hater's good, really good. He can also be traded. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Probably traded to be a closer, but could be traded. So there's there's a couple like, slight concerns with hater. If I have to grasp at straws, that's where I'm grasping. Uh, Chapman, I have a number three with me on my list as well. I love what he does, and people say, "Well, if you think Hayter is going to, you know, lose spots, well, we know Chapman. The Yankees are smart enough, and they do rest him from time to time. But when you win 100 baseball games a year, you can do that with your closer and still get 35 plus saves. That's the beauty of is Chapman. And when he's out there, he's striking out the world. So he's they rest him because he can still throw 100 when he goes back out there. That's what the Yankees do because it's a you know a luxury that they have. So yeah, Chapman, very big fan of it. You said. Diaz is my number six personally on my list, so I'd have him five on this list. Uh, I, he's good. He's a wild card. You hit it. You hit it on the head. That's a good way to, to phrase him because we've seen him be really good. We've seen the blowups, and the Mets have a lot of backups in case things go wrong there. And Mel uh, Rojas, the, the manager, has already kind of been wishy-washy about Diaz whenever he's asked about that situation. He's calling him the closer, but not with a lot of confidence. It sounds like. So just keep that in mind. And Iglesias, I have in a lot of places. I am a huge Rysell fan. He doesn't get the love he deserves, and he had one bad year in Cincinnati with an ERA over four. He had four of the years in an ERA under three. He strikes out the world. He has the four pitches like you mentioned. He's a very, very good reliever, and he's one of those closers that can give you more than one inning. So if you're in an innings pitch league, if you're just looking for more uh, stats to rack up, Iglesias can help you with that. So he's a, a very, very good closer that I, I have I have ranked number four on my list. It'd be three, I guess, on this list, technically. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. And um, so I'm, I'm a big Rossell fan. And um, basically, like Toby was hinting at, if you're looking for the overall like 75 saves or whatever, that's why I try to get one of these guys if I can. And usually it's Rossell. I, I just kind of have like – we've had questions in the past, like when do you jump to get a player? Well, I have these like four or five guys on my list, like Rosenthal's my five. So I have those five guys – And as they start to get drafted, it's coming back to my turn. I'm going to take one of them more often than not. Not every time, but more often than not, I'm going to take one of them and then know, okay, I can wait until the Kimbrels or someone else down the list we'll talk about later to kind of give me my number two, and then I can punt later. That's my strategy. Everyone's different. That kind of helps me sleep at night when I do this. So um, Hendricks, Chapman, Iglesias, Hayter, Diaz for me, but uh, definitely a, a bunch of really good closers, and that's obviously why they are ranked where they are ranked. All right, the next grouping we have here, I skipped James Corencheck because we'll get to him later. Don't you worry about that. Um, Ryan Karen, Presley. Chuck. Chuck, he's chucking it up. Oh. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Presley at pick 93 and Trevor Rosenthal at 97. Honestly, I thought Rosenthal would move faster. I don't know if it was the groin injury that concerned people. He's going to be throwing again here. He already threw off flat ground. He's supposed to be in a game in the next day or two. I uh, get some game action. So he looks to be okay, but you got Presley with Houston looked really good when he had the chance. You got Rosenthal moving to Oakland. How do you look at these two Toby?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they're both solid options for sure. Um, with Presley, you know, he's always been good, right. As a reliever ever since he's developed that curveball, um, very good pitcher should do very well with the Astros. I mean, that's one of the primo spots because I think they're going to be a really good team. Generally speaking, great ballpark to pitch in so i think he's an excellent option i also like rosenthal as, as well i worry a little bit i know his control was better last year and he was obviously lights out but there's an injury history there there are control issues there but oakland is a phenomenal place to pitch um i mean just uh, just have all my pitchers in oakland please just for the love of whatever and um and uh and, and just great defense behind him so i i think they're both really good options um and so i don't really have any problems with taking them you know again like i all i just so people understand i always have problems with people taking closers at this point in the draft i always have problems with it like so with all that being said these are these are guys that i think are are good options for where they're going he hasn't thrown yet in spring training but it seems like it's a minor issue you know the key is that he's He's, he's going to be the closer. They've got no reason not to put him in that place. That's what they paid him for. And he's going to be really good if he pitches, probably, unless he walks a lot of people and <laughs> just gets injured.
1: Yep. It's very, very possible. Risks you take. Risks you take, most definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, Presley, the guy's really, really good. K-rate over 30% for three straight years now. The ratio's... Last year, 3-4-3, three, three, but like 2-5 and below the previous two years. Doesn't walk a ton. He had a little bit – like last year, he had a little more walk issue. I think it helped lead to his uh, ERA situation, but almost a 50% ground ball guy year after year. Just a really, really good reliever. So he, he's definitely in play. The Astros will be very good. The only concern I have there is like until about two or three weeks ago, I think it was, until Rosenthal basically signed with Oakland, the Astros were looking for a closer still. So I'm just curious, is, like Presley's the guy right now, but does that mean they don't trade for someone if they're, if they're still in it? Something to keep in mind. He's very, very good. Run with it while you can if you want. Uh, I have Rosenthal as my number five, mainly because the Oakland factor, I believe, is very good as well. Don't get me wrong. But Oakland, year after year, you have Hendricks. You've had other guys close there, and they just put up 30-plus saves year after year. It's a kind of saves factory. A lot of it's the the ballpark they pitch in. A lot of it's just that team. It seems like if if you're a West Coast person, you watch a lot of late-night A's games, not a lot of blowouts. That's just the way I'll say it. There might be a lot of run score, but always tight games, it feels like, in Oakland. So um, they get a lot of save opportunities, and Rosenthal is going to get his fair share. So I'm I'm pretty pumped on that. I don't have a ton of shares of Rosenthal because people are uh, taking him earlier than I would, but I do like him quite a bit if you feel like pulling the trigger on that one. And, and
0: one thing to mention on Presley, because you mentioned the walk rate, I think one thing that's good to do in these smaller sample size, oh, smaller sample seasons, you know, to, to kind of double check that is, you know, he had a higher walks per nine, but his walk rate was about where it's been throughout his career. Yeah, if you look at his first so. pitch strike rate, highest of his career, his zone percentage went down slightly, but his O swing was still an elite, uh, an elite 40%. So when you combine those together, it seems like he should be like in line for where he is. The walks per nine is a little bit higher because he had such a high babbitt. So he was giving up a lot of runners. Um, And so just something like, I think that's important for people, like that's a good check to put in place. Like when you see a guy's walk rate has increased is just to check the underlying met numbers in that small sample size to make sure that, um, uh, that 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 it appears to be an earned, Increase you know, so not like a comment on what you were saying, but just something that oh, yeah. I was kind of running through that in my head That's like a check that I do just to sh- make sure that they that it makes sense and even early season That's a really good thing to do just to make sure that you know guys You know what what is skill and what is just a small sample or bad luck? That's happening to a guy
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Good point on that uh, The next one we average a three-pack we have Brad hand, a hand three pack pick 103 we have Kimley Jansen at 105 and Kirby Yates at 118. He's a little bit farther back. By figure, he's been actually on the move up here of late, so he's not quite mm, where they are. Kirby's on the move. Kirby is on the move, like the old uh, was it Kirby Dreamland, the the pink ghost. That's a whole other thing. I don't know, but no, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Bradhand, Jansen, Yates. How do you uh, look at these three? Well,
0: we all know that Brad Hand sucks, right? I mean, that's, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, for Brad Hand, he's funny because he kind of falls in this category for me of diminishing skills, but he's never been bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though his velo continues to fall down and even though like everything is like, why, how is this guy still good? He still manages to be good. And so maybe that's the special sauce. Maybe it's the Alex Colome sauce, you know, <laughs> maybe it's the Brandon Kinsler sauce, you know, maybe it's the sauce that just allows somebody to keep a good ERA, a good whip and just get saves. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about Brad Hand. If he falls, he's actually somebody that I don't mind going after because I think the Nats are going to win plenty of games. I think he'll have a long leash in that closer role. And, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. So I don't think he'll fall here because I think closers are going to push up. But if he falls into, the, like, well, it's probably a lie. But if he falls into, like, the 120, 130 range, you know, instead of, like, higher up, you know, maybe I'll, I'd i consider going after him. Jansen, I think, is really, really interesting because I think the Dodgers have no reason to take him out of the closer role. I mean, yeah. what's the purpose, right? He's got the big contract. He's pitched really well in the regular season. We saw that in the, in the postseason they're not afraid to go away from them. They're going to be really good unless he's just – Absolutely god awful. Then you don't worry about it. But last year he was actually very good in the regular season, um, just from like a skills perspective. I'm 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 pulling it up right here. Um, so just give my computer a second. Better
1: better striker rate than 2019.
0: Totally 32.4% K rate. 8.8% yep. walk rate. But you know it doesn't really look like it should have been that high, honestly. But still 24% K minus walk rate. 15% swinging strike rate. You know, I mean the guy is really good and he had a great whip, he had a low ERA, he had a bunch of K's, he had a bunch of saves. I mean, what do you want from the guy? You know, like and he's always leads the league in terms of like his stat cast metrics given up from a quality of contact perspective. So why not get Kenley? I mean, just load up on Kenley um in this situation. What'd like, you say his, his ADP was?
1: It's um ADP of one oh five. 105. See,
0: like I probably would won't take him, but if I was considering taking a closer in this area, Kenley Jansen for me would be a great pick because I just think like I think he's going to be fine. I mean, think about him versus like a Kirby Yates coming yeah. off of a season missed by injury in his arm. He's yeah. older. He's had one dominant season, I think. Right? He had like one. Yeah, he had one dominant. Yeah, one really season. really good season. Yeah. His velo's slightly down this spring. You know, um, he's on a one-year contract. It's not for that much money. They've got a bunch of good arms in that bullpen with Romano and Dolis. And, you know, um, for me, I, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not really interested in Yates. I don't see the huge difference between Yates, where he's at right here, versus some of the guys going a little bit later. Um, it's just, you know, I mean, yes, he's got the opportunity, so it's fine. But I just think, you know, there's other guys that I'd rather go to.
1: Yeah. I like it. You you preached Kenley Jansen. I'm glad someone else is uh, agreeing because there seems like there's a lot of negativity on Kenley Jansen yeah. these days, and I, I don't get it. I think there's you know they're remembering the playoffs, which is rough. I get it. Nick Solak just hit a grand slam, by the way. Just throwing another Did opposite, he? opposite Nick field. Nick Solak's ADP yep.
0: just jumped yep. 45 spots. He's going yep. in the he's going in the top 100 now, folks. <laughs> Better jump on that,
1: that career that year. Career year coming up. Uh, Man, position he's like
0: Junior. Junior. <laughs> You know, just move him up, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Four RBIs for Nick Solak today. He was batting against some guy who was Wandi not even in the major. No, Wandy
1: Peralta. He'll be in the bullpen.
0: What? I mean, you're going to count it as a home run if it was hit against Wandy Peralta? <laughs> I thought you took away at least two bases on home run. Doesn't oh, that count geez. as a double in real? In like in in MLB?
1: In, in San Definitely. francisco in San francisco it would have been a double because there's no way it goes opposite field out there so yeah oh man but uh, all right
0: Baba it's check to- time it's check Uh-oh. time here kuzma kuzma scored eight points in the final two minutes of the quarter giving me hope pumping me full of hope we need a huge second half ladies and gentlemen i'm bringing you along on my DfS MBA ride let me tell you something here all right go ahead
1: Back to Kiley Jansen. Um, you mentioned the strikeout rates and all that. If people want to dig deeper, it was the lowest max exit velocity he's given up in his career, the lowest barrel rate he's given up in his career. His O swings and his contact rates are very similar to the last couple seasons. He was still very, very good. People just want to clown on him because he had a rough postseason and he didn't look as dominant during the regular season. But he was outstanding. So I'm all aboard Killy Jansen because I don't know about you, Toby, but I think the Dodgers are still going to win a lot of baseball games this year. So I think they're going to be just fine, kind of like – the thoughts I have with Chapman, yeah. The Dodgers have a lot of options. They can arrest Kimley if they want. He's still gonna run into 30-something saves. Like it's it's pretty outstanding what he can do out there. Um, so I'm all aboard the Kimley Jansen train. I don't mind Brad Hand either. I'm just if I'm gonna pay the price, I'll save a little bit and get get Jansen, and given they're going right next to each other now. But for a while it was spread out a little more. I still believe a little bit in Tanner Rainey, but if hand's getting the job done, they're gonna keep him back there. That's why they paid him to come in there. And uh, I had shares of him last year, and I was scared every time. And he got the job done. He's one of those pitchers that can just pitch without nasty stuff. He just gets it done. So more power to him, I guess. It's just scary. And Kirby Yates is intriguing just because he's healthy. He's throwing well so far this spring, like velocity-wise and everything. But there's always that concern, like you said. You know, he missed a whole season by injury. So what's going on here? But um, if you want to take a risk, I think he'll be fine. Just not a guy I'm probably running to go take. But kind of after this grouping, it drops off a pretty good amount. So I can see why people might be moving Kirby Yates up because there's a lot more question marks after the Yates and company here. You Note know what I've learned from Bubba? Yes.
0: With regard to Kenley Jansen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Haters going to hate. You know what I'm saying? Haters are going mean, to hate. I mean, I mean, look at me. I'm presented with all this visual evidence that Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to be really, really good this year. And yet what do I do? I still hate, Right. Yeah. I still hate. Well, not like actually hate, you know. I just,
1: but I, the, the reason the reason why people hate, haters are going to hate is going to be told the D because the Dodgers are going to trade for Josh Hader. That's been like the rumor the oh, whole time. So no. you, you can see it now. Haters going to hate. It's just how it's going to go.
0: I mean, the thing is, the Dodgers are a smart organization. They're not going to trade a bunch of, of prospects came out of Toby's and good mouth, players. Not mine, by the way, for uh, It came out of whose mouth?
1: Toby's mouth, not mine, by the way. It's just to that. Out that? Out there. That the Dodgers comment you just made about being a smart organization.
0: I, I, I mean, they're not going to trade a bunch of prospects for a relief pitcher, right? <laughs> no, they're not that they could like, you know, I mean, uh, just trade for David Bednar, you know, on the pirates and you're essentially getting Josh Hader jr. That's, you funny. know,
1: so hey, anyway, you now they'll, what they'll do is they'll trade for Hader and like Christian Yelich. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they'll do because they're the Dodgers. Yeah, we'll, we'll take on the contracts. Then you can have you can have four of our prospects after that. That's fine. Kudos to them though for spending. They're spending a lot too. So yeah, good for them. Uh, they better win, or otherwise it's pretty embarrassing. Winner's gonna win. No, no, they won Man. once, they lost yeah. more than that. So um Alex Colomay pick 157, Rafael Montero at 164. Now I know you've already mentioned Colomé as he's a guy that just gets it done, but he doesn't have the greatest stuff kind of comment, which a lot of people say. And I usually ride his coattails all the time. A little different story this year. And then you have Rafael Montero, who everyone's in love with because it's his job. But we got to remember, A, it's Rafael Montero, and B, if he's any good, Seattle will trade him. So keep that in mind. Uh, So what are you doing with these two guys? Because I don't have shares of either one of them right now. Speaking of
0: haters going to hate, I mean, Alex Colomay, what does he have to do, fantasy owners, for you to embrace the man as a closer extraordinaire? He's got the special sauce. He knows how to get saves. He knows how to close out games. He's like a Mark Melanson senior. He's even better than Mark Melanson.
1: (laughs) It doesn't matter what (laughs) how
0: he pitches, he just ends up getting saves. It's remarkable. And keeping the ERA low and the whip low. No, I mean, I think Colomay's fine. I don't know. You know, I think the thing with the Twins is they're going to mish and mash. And so for that reason, I don't have a ton of interest in this place. But I do think he's a guy that if he falls a little bit, then, you know, and by falls a little bit, I mean, if he falls to, like, 180, pick 180 or something like that, like, I might, you know, want to grab him there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be fine. His velo I think, is – as. Started out a little low. I think it's, it's increased as he's thrown in spring training. I think he's pitched well in his last uh, couple outings. Um, although I could be making that up, but I, I think he's going to be fine. They got him to close out some games, you know, and then I think they'll, they'll have a little bit of a, a, of a mix and match. I do think one thing about the Minnesota bullpen before we forget is just, I think Tyler Duffy is a guy to be really worried about. His velo is way down this spring. He's been getting absolutely destroyed. And with Hansel Robles, you know, I think he's struggled a little bit too. But you know, with him in that bullpen now, with Colome in that bullpen, with Tyler Rogers already, or Tyler, T- Trevor, T- Taylor. Tr- 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 Taylor, Taylor. Oh Jesus! Can we get some people whose last name is Rogers? That name doesn't start like with five with T and have five letters. Yeah, or six T- letters.
1: Tyler is in San Francisco. Tyler,
0: Taylor, and Trevor. Like, what is this?
1: Yes. Yep, yep. Oh my Fun God! Two
0: Talk about something where you where you should hate on them for like if you are giving birth right now, if you're giving oh, birth Jesus. right now and your last name is Rogers, please. And you have, you know, please just don't name your kid. Tyler, Trevor,
1: no tees. Taylor, no, no tees.
0: Tim, you know, whatever it oh, is. Man. Yeah. Another <laughs> another another name. Uh, but honestly, I, I think that I'm really worried about Duffy. I know a lot of people thought he might get some some speculative saves there in that mix but he's looked really bad um but you know i think column is fine you know probably not a 30 save guy but 20 saves something like that with three five era and a one two five whip and strike out an inning which hey i'll take it
1: what about montero
0: oh montero god he's awful. <laughs> Like why yeah. are people Lots drafting fly Montero
1: balls. where they're drafting of, him? I have no idea. I can't. I mean, okay, let's
0: it. let's do a little let's do a little dive in on Montero. And I know I think I was trashing him before and his CSW is good and stuff like that, which whatever, you know, I'll, I'll decide when I want to use CSW and then I don't want to <laughs> use it as a stat. All right, people. Come on. That's what Alex Bass article said, right? Yes, exactly.
1: Only when you can choose necessary. when you use this. <laughs>
0: Uh, so Montero swinging strike rate under 10%, 9.3% last year. I have a rule against drafting closers that have swinging strike rates under 10%, unless their names are Brandon Kinsler or Mark Melanson. All right. Rule number one of drafting closers. No, honestly, I mean, he had a super low Babbitt last year, although he also had a low strand rate. You know, I think he got, I think he got hit real hard too. Uh, Not that I pay a ton of attention to that, but yeah. Barrel rates the last two years of 15.2% and 13.9%. Um, so I just, don't, I just don't think he's a good pitcher. And he's also had you know, injury concerns in a couple of the last, I think the last two seasons, he's missed time for injury, which you know, shouldn't factor a bunch, but certainly factors in when, you know, when you're being drafted where he's drafting. So I don't understand the love for Montero. I don't think he's very good. Um, I would not draft him at all.
1: I would not draft him at all. Yeah, no, I have no shares with him either. Like He's a massive fly ball guy, something I don't want to deal with either, given Seattle's nice and all. But that division, some of the guys are going to have to face up against. No, I'll pass uh, on him. And But uh, Colome, I've always been a fan of where he's going kind of stinks because Rogers actually went after him. And Rodgers, to me, is the primary closer. But you know Baldelli, he likes to use Rogers for multiple innings in a high-leverage spot. So Colome, like you said, is going to get a fair share of uh, – Saves when he has the chance, so that's an option. I, I don't completely hate it. It's just where he's going. I feel like you can get the same production or gamble the same way a little later in the draft, and that's where I'd uh, I'd rather be taking those kind of stabs. And then at that point in time on him. that's the problem. And yes, Montero, I want nothing to do with it at all.
0: <laughs> and and um and one thing that I would um say about Montero too, if you look at his pitch mix, I mean, last year the best pitch he had. Had a thirteen point three percent swinging strike rate, like the best pitch he had last year. Had a thirteen point three percent strike rate. Yeah, strike rate. That's not, not the good, best pitch. Not good. He had had a thirteen point three percent swinging strike rate. You know who? You
1: you know who had an overall swinging strike rate of fifteen percent last year? Kenley Jansen. Kenley but, Jansen. Um, oh, keep, keep hating on that. Okay, um, keep hating. Yep, hater's gonna hate. But um, Alex Colme is a pick 158, his teammate, like I just said, Taylor Rodgers, 186, almost 30 picks later, two rounds later in 15-team drafts, and you got Matt Barnes at pick 187, so they're a pick apart, you have Taylor Rodgers in a potential platoon on a good Twins team, and you have Matt Barnes who will make you go crazy if you roster him as a closer, so what do you see in these two?
0: Yeah. For Rogers, I'm a fade on Rogers. I mean, the thing is anytime you have a guy who's not supposed to get the bulk of the saves and you have to draft him at this point in the draft, like what, like, why are you doing that? You know, like, why are you, unless you get clearance that he's going to get the bulk of the saves, I, I think you can't draft him at this spot. Like there's just too many other options. And the same goes with Barnes. Like Barnes has pitched really well. He looked good at the end of last year. Although some of the underlying metrics, when I took another look, like, were not as hot like it seemed like they were a little bit luck driven but at the same time like do we know that he's going to be the closer over Ottavino? like do we know that he's got 100 of the saves we don't really know that like we think that but also alex cora also gave ryan brazier the closing job over matt barnes two years ago and ryan brazier was actually pretty good at the end of last year i haven't been looking how he's been doing in spring training but You know, like, it's just one of those things where I don't see the point of drafting a guy who's probably not, who may not be the closer at this point in time without that certainty.
1: Yep, no, we're pretty much on the same page. Rodgers, I will take a chance on where he's going because I've seen him fall past like 200. He's one of those guys Mm -hmm. where you might have someone in the draft that really likes him and he goes or he falls and people just don't want to deal with him because you look at, he's gone as high as, over the last two weeks, as high as 128. Remember, his ADP is 187. As high as 128, as low as 320. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those guys that he falls around. So I can't remember what league I was drafted. And I grabbed him recently as like my third closer. And I'm like, okay, I can live with that. That's, that's doable. But um, just to just know he's going to take days off. Coleman's going to get his fair share. Like if Rogers gets 22 to 25 saves, give or take 20 to 25 saves. I think that's a, that's what you should be shooting for. Like if he gets that, you're happy. If you, if you think he's going to get more than that, you're really wishing on a prayer because I just don't see Colomay is going to get probably 20 ish as well. Like that's just how mm-hmm. it's going to go. They're going to sh- it's almost 50-50 to me. Rodgers might throw more innings like I said he'll throw a couple innings here and there, he'll have higher leverage situations, but Colomay is going to get his. That's why he's going higher and I think for good reasons. But Rodgers is interesting. Also Rodgers kind of stumbled towards the end of last year and lost his job just to clear his mind. But uh, he's he's back there. I wouldn't worry too much about that. And Barnes, yes, I think Ottavino is going to take that job. If not right away, at least at some point. If Ottavino figures it out, like he, the way he was pitching in Colorado and early in New York, he is better than Matt Barnes. So that's going to be one to definitely watch. And how good are the Red Sox really going to be? Just think about that one as well.
0: You know, I think we should, I think you should open instead of with Metallica living on a prayer. <sighs>
1: Wouldn't for that the be closers, a great? The closers episode. would yes. be
0: a great intro to the closer song? Maybe I'll okay. do that. I think I can like slip in Spotify songs. Into go. my um, into It'll the body. Much easier for yeah. you to do. Much. I gotta make a little. You. I gotta make a little
1: note. There you of, go. Of doing that. All um, right, a, couple, a couple team situations to, to hit on real quick. We got the Reds. Uh, Amir Garrett. He's battling forearm stiffness. He, a report came out two days ago. He plans on throwing early next week. Keep an eye on that. Uh, Lucas Sims, he was battling an elbow deal, but he's been throwing uh, bullpens. He looks like he'll be fine by opening day. They have Sean Doolittle, TJ Antone, I think he's going to be in the rotation, so I don't think he's even an option really. Uh, there's a lot going on there in Cincinnati. A.L. Daniel Suarez playing shortstop, all kinds of fun stuff. But um, how are you approaching this? Because right now I'm kind of grabbing Lucas Sims shares because he's going so late right now, like so, so late that I'm going to take that gamble. What are you doing with the situation?
0: I think that's the way to handle it. I mean, I think the thing is, there's so many really good arms they have in the bullpen. I mean, you didn't even mention Jose De Leon or yeah. or Jeff Hoffman, right? And I don't know if Jeff De Leon, right, they, they probably don't throw him straight into the fire. I'm
1: saving De Leon for a listener question coming up. But. Okay,
0: okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, but like Jeff Hoffman is a guy that I really love, um, you know, who, who I think, you know, you say TJ Anton's gonna go into the rotation. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Anton ended up in the bullpen and Jeff Hoffman ended up in the rotation. Just the way that they're kind of stretching them out and and kind of previous histories of of usage. And Anton is not efficient with his pitches. He has, like, a pretty high walk rate. But, again, absolutely great skills, you know. Mm -hmm. But So there's just all those guys. The one guy that I wouldn't really be targeting is Sean Doolittle. I mean – I love Sean Doolittle, the person, and I love Sean Doolittle, the pitcher, but, you know, he has, I don't think he's gone, like, he's just getting destroyed out there right now, and his Velo was up a little bit today, it sounded like, that he was sitting 94, which is really good news, but um, I'm just, I just don't, I don't trust it, right, and and the Reds have got to see They've got to see him actually be able to get some guys out and not give up home runs. I think he's given up four home runs already in spring training. I think he gave up three in one inning, um, or two in one inning a couple of days ago. So that's the one guy that I'm kind of avoiding. I love your your strategy of just kind of going after Sims or going after the cheaper arms. That maybe their their chance of being the closer is only ten percent, is only fifteen percent, is only twenty five percent. But if you hit it, it's a gold mine, right? Where you're well, drafting
1: and- them. And right now over the last two weeks, Garrett's still going around pick 210. Where Lucas Sims is going to pick 350. I'll take that 140 picks and take my chances. Like that's just if, if you drop him, you drop him at 350, Definitely. it's not going to crush you. But the upside of Sims, he's a very, very good pitcher. That if he's healthy, he can run away with some of this stuff. Like in reality, if Sims were healthy, I could see him having a similar, if not better, year than Alex Coleman. And that's I think because really, for sure, I think him and Garrett, if both healthy, they still kind of split it almost like Rogers and Cole may do for the most part. So, I, like Sims, I think it's just I don't. I think people are really worried about the injury, and I get it. Elbows, you don't want to hear that. But if you've been watching the beat reporters and his rehab and stuff, I'm not as scared. And at 350, I don't care if he like I'll just drop him. So it's, it's not a big deal.
0: Totally. All right,
1: Tampa Bay Rays. Just thought we'd talk about it because it's always the conundrum. That is the raising. I think we said on this – on last episode with the relievers, I think six, if you count the playoffs, like eight different guys got saves last year and not to mention shortened yeah. season. So that's uh, that's fun. That's fun to deal with. Um, they have Nick Anderson, who's an outstanding reliever, but he might be high leverage at times. You have Pete Fairbanks, who didn't get a save all season, but got two in the postseason plus two holds. So he was in high leverage spots and important spots. You have Diego Castillo, who was outstanding. Uh, Shane, those are the three main guys, we you got like Shane McC- McLahan or McLanahan, McLanahan, who's who's been like fierce, fierce stuff late last year, but even in the in the spring so far. It's uh it's crazy what they have in that bullpen. You could probably just say don't draft raise closers. But if you are approaching a situation, how do you approach this bullpen? Uh, Don't draft race
0: closers. (laughs) That's pretty
1: much how I'm going to approach it. I mean,
0: it's just like, you know, yes, drafting Nick Anderson, I think he's a very good pitcher and he's going to get some saves. I mean, he got six last year, you know, so maybe he gets 10 to 15 saves, which would be, which would be terrific with the ratios and stuff like that, that he provides. But again, you, you fall into the same situation where you have small sample size, you're paying up a high draft cost for a guy who's not going to get access to the bulk of the saves. So he's not going to be your 30 save guy. Um, And so I just don't think it, I don't think it works. I don't think it makes sense um, to draft him. Although, you know, but I, although I won't be critical of people for drafting him because that means that there's one other player that I want to draft in that, in that place that he goes, but no, he could be totally fine. I just don't think you draft him. I don't think they're going to have a closer. I think they've shown pretty clearly that that's not necessarily how they operate. Um, you know, so you could take a spec on like a Diego Castillo, who's going very late in drafts just to see if that's who ends up being the guy or a Fairbanks just to see if he ends up being that guy. Um, but again, I mean like they were given saves to what did you say? How many players, 14 guys or eight okay. guys? I want say, say
1: if you combine the postseason, it was like eight guys last year.
0: Let's say a team gets like, I don't know, 45 save opportunities in a season or something like that. I mean, you divide that by eight You know, that's like Like five and a half half saves per guy, right? So it just doesn't make sense. And they got guys coming out of nowhere, right? They have McClanahan, who looks incredibly good. They have uh, Springs. They still have Kittredge. They have, like, Thompson. They have all these guys, all these arms who are phenomenal. And they have no reason not to play the leverage game and just Mm -hmm. put guys in in the best spot. And and that's a bo- that's a boon to Nick Anderson when it happens to roll around that you know the best play pitchers are are in the ninth, hit best hitters are in the ninth, but it's just not not worth it for me.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Nick Anderson, I, I just won't draft, and it's not because he's not a good pitcher, like you said, it's just the situation's tough. He's basically a glorified Devin Williams at that point because you know he'll get some saves, but he's not like guaranteed to be the guy. For me, it's like Dio Castillo's at 280, Pete Fairbanks is 350. I've been drafting Pete Fairbanks late just because I think uh, the way they use them in the postseason, I lean that direction. but They use Castillo a ton too. It's just, it's an embarrassment of riches they have. Um, So if you're going to take one late, maybe you run into like 12 saves from Pete Fairbanks. I don't know. It's just, you're going to do it where do I use them this week or not? And you know, the weeks you don't use them, so you got like three saves just because that's the raise. So
0: totally. And that's fun there. Like you mentioned, just hit that strategy. And I'm seeing people use it a lot more in. Drafts this year, like in TGFBI and stuff, where you're just kind of putting those high, those high return, high ROI. I don't know if ROI is the right, but like, yeah, high ROI relievers that are easy drops first week of the season if they're not in that role, right? Like, it gives you roster flexibility, and then you also have the chance of hitting on some of those guys. So I fully support you in that in that strategy there.
1: Let, let me um, give me two seconds. I'm going to pull up Jeff Erickson because he drafted his. Beat Jeff Erickson two last night's twelve team uh, online championship, and he tweeted out his whole pick deal. But I wanted to uh, mention it because his last like handful of picks here, and I commented and talked to him for a couple tweets about it. But okay, here we are. It was he got Chris Martin in round twenty four, which I don't mm-hmm. mind that at all. No, but then round twenty six, Hector Neris, um, around 28 Pete Fairbanks, around 29 Gregory Soto. So he's like, like his three of his last four picks, he's like, I'm just going to go take like guys and hope that it works. And he's, and I talked and I mentioned, he's like, yeah, it's that time of the year where it's weird. And if it doesn't work, I drop him early because I'm going to use the waiver wire. So that's the idea to see what sticks because you never know. Um, but it, it's, there's a lot of interesting situations like in Philadelphia. You have Archie Bradley, who they just paid money to come in there. You have Hector Neris, who was the closer last year. You have Jose Alvarado that before Bradley was signed, I was kind of pumped about that because I liked Alvarado in Tampa, so it made the four-headed monster in Tampa three-headed, but now it made an issue in Philly. It's, it's, it's crowded. Um, the more I think about it and the more I listened to some beat writers and stuff, I feel like it's actually Archie Bradley's job, and that makes me a-okay kind of trying to draft him but still not happy about it. How do you approach the Philly situation with these three guys?
0: Okay, rule 1B of drafting closers, all right? Archie Bradley sucks too, (laughs) all right? How many years have we been drafting Archie Bradley to get us saves? And how many years has he come through? He's come through for for half a season, people. Blame the the Diamondbacks. Half a season. Blame the Diamondbacks. uh, Honestly, I mean, I think it's Archie Bradley's job heading into camp. But I think if you look at how Bradley has pitched, his velo is down considerably, I think one and a half to two miles per hour so far um, in this spring. So maybe that gets back up. But he's not really, it's this typical Archie Bradley stuff. Like he doesn't strike guys out, you know, like an elite closer does. And if you look at what Naris is doing, I think Naris has a higher ERA at this point in spring, but he's also striking out two or three guys every time he's out there. Um, and I think that, I think, when all is said and done i think it's going to end up being Narris i don't know if that will be at the beginning of the season or in the middle of the season or whatnot but i just um i like Naris more that now that doesn't mean you, that you should draft Naris you know because i do think that archie bradley they want archie bradley to win the job but he's not doing that right now um and i don't think he looks great uh so far so um that's kind of my 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 general idea. I don't think Alvarado is in the save situation. I'm not sure how many lefties they have in that bullpen, yeah. but I don't think he's a close. I don't think he's a closer really. Although I do think he could be nasty since he's throwing like whatever it is, 99 on average um, out of the bullpen. So that's is kind it, of my general thoughts on that situation.
1: He's looked very nasty this spring, Alvarado. That is like he's. That's why I was so mad that they wouldn't sign Bradley because I, I could have confidence in him maybe taking out Naris. again. They don't have a lot of lefties though, so that might change that. Um, I think he's, if you're in a season whole leagues, I think Alvarado's a phenomenal pick because you can get him super late or free, basically. So that's a guy I would look at. But um, actually, look at a lot of lefties. We'll talk about that later on the listener question. But um, naris I was drafting everywhere until I kept hearing things, and I don't disagree with what you are saying. Naris just has a walk problem in the past. If he can figure that out, he's definitely better than Archie Bradley. Like Archie Bradley, he's an okay ground ball guy, not last year, but throughout most of his career. Strike rate 24% last year. Walk rate below 2% best of his career last year. The ratios have been okay. It's just like he's picked 222, and I'm thinking, okay, I can take the gamble at 222. It's just, it's a tough one. I'd rather have Naris, if I knew Naris, have the job, but I really think it's Archie Bradley's job right now. And he is going to have to screw up because they gave him a multi year deal. That's the concern I have. They paid him multiple, multiple seasons. To potentially be their closer. That's right. They signed Archie
0: Bradley to a multi year deal.
1: I'm 99% sure it's multi year. Let me scroll oh up here. God. Oh, no, it's only a one year deal. I oh, it was okay. Two, I was going to say. Was, I thought it was two years for some reason.
0: I was going to say, take away that GM. No, okay. GM's one year.
1: Job I apologize. I apologize. No, that's all right. For some, no, for some reason, I thought it was a two year deal. Okay. That, that's not one year, six million. I think you're him. Never mind. But um, I still think it's a job. I still do. And that scares me. I know.
0: I, I don't disagree. With, I just think Naris is going to end up being the better reliever this year.
1: Yeah, I I see that. I don't disagree. That's why the situation in Philly is crappy. (laughs) It's just just bad. But uh, let's go to Baltimore. This uh, one, Hunter Harvey, at least he made it easier for people like myself. I gave up on him this year already, which was nice. It felt good. But um, I kind of – I'd never like seen a guy get hurt. I kind of wish he didn't now because I'm not drafting Mm -hmm. him and other people are. But um, Hunter Harvey got placed on a 60-day IL today for his oblique situation. So it's a pretty bad one if he's going on the 60-day IL – and that moves up Tanner Scott, who's probably the favorite, but you got Cesar Valdez there. Guys, we've talked about before. I have a lot of Tanner Scott shares. I have a lot of both of these guys in best ball and draft champions leagues. Um, I'm drafting Tanner Scott where I can right now. Let me get you their ADPs right now before I give you the floor. Tanner Scott, uh, ADP of 348. is going as high as 269 over the last two weeks. And Valdez, not Franber, he doesn't count anymore. Cesar Valdez, 360, as high as 330. So they're starting to get uh, – He's only gone in four drafts. So that's obviously happened since the Hunter Harvey news on that one. Let me see how many drafts Scott's gone in. Um Tanner Scott has gone in 17. I entered mean, 43 drafts on this ADP. So uh Tanner Scott, Cesar Valdez, how are you approaching those guys? Or do you have a sleeper in Baltimore?
0: Um, no, no sleepers in Baltimore. I think Tanner Scott is the much better pitcher. So I would draft him, but I also don't think that they're going to use one particular closer. I think they're going to mix it around. Um, they'll probably get like seven saves all season, I think. And so maybe Tanner Scott will get five and Valdez will get two, but, um, I do really like Scott. I mean, you know, I think it's his slider, which is just one of the best pitches in baseball. Um, super high swinging strike rate. And I'm right on that, right? I'm not making yeah. that up. No, you're, Yeah.
1: You're right on.
0: Yeah. Um, so I would go with Tanner Scott, you know, again, another kind of late round dark throw, but I don't think they're going to go with a closer. Cause you remember last year, I mean, they started out, I think, and they had, uh, they had Solcer in there and he was actually pitching pretty well. But then all of a sudden he wasn't getting saves and then he pitched poorly. And then it was like Lark Lockins or Larkins or whatever his name was came in and then it was Valdez and you know, I think it's just going to be a jumble. I don't think they. I think they're a very much a team that does not focus on saves at all.
1: Yeah, well, when you win forty games, it's tough to focus on saves. But <laughs> sure. I, 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 they should I have like,
0: spent real high on. They should have got signed Liam Hendricks. That's what yeah. their team needed. Really, yeah. cl- cl- lock down those wins, you know. Yeah,
1: lock down, lock down those four blown saves you get this year. Um, I like Scott too. I guess like I, I have a lot of places. I don't mind Valdez. The one reason why I think Valdez can be interesting at times, besides multiple guys getting saved, like you mentioned, is you know Scott does strike out a lot of guys, 27% K rate last year, over 30% the previous two years. But he's had a walk rate of 11.6 or higher in all four MLB seasons. He walks mm-hmm. a lot of guys, so the circus can show up. And as if you guys listened to the Triple Play show last week, I talked about Brian Wilson. It's stressful. It's very stressful. And every now and then, you get an oops, and that stressful turns into a big blown save. So that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, Scott's, I think, the better pitcher, like you said. He's looked great this spring. He's the guy I'm drafting. But Valdez is interesting. It's one of those, if you can stash a guy, stash him. Even if you don't draft him, like if you're trying to figure out who to pick up in fab in the early weeks, you got no one else, go get him for a buck. Just put him on your roster just in case something happens. You have to drop him again. Drop him. It doesn't cost you a lot, but he's going to get his at some point this season. It, uh, It will happen, but Scott's the guy I want as well. All right, the last team I had down here, there's probably many other nasty situations, but I want to talk about a good baseball team. We talked about the Orioles, the Phillies, the Reds. Uh, let's talk about San Diego. San Diego Padres, you have Drew Pomeranz, who Greg Jewett on his closer sheet still has as a closer, which is up for debate to many. You have Emilio Pagan, you have Mark Belanson, and you have Keona Kella, all four guys with previous saves situations, basically saves uh, experience. I want Drew Pomeranz to be the closer, but part of me says Mark Melanson's going to be the closer because they signed him. They had no reason to sign him otherwise. They could have signed some other reliever just to be a reliever. This is a very, very nasty situation and I'm having a very tough time drafting them, so I'm pretty much avoiding it. Even though I know they're going to win a ton of baseball games. So, what's your thoughts on San Diego?
0: Uh, I say draft the last guys. I mean, that's my my thoughts on the situation generally. I mean, I mean with, P- with ADP for you with uh, with Pomeranz, you know. Remember, last year at the start of the season, they didn't have him as the closer. You know, I think he's the best reliever in that, in that pen, but I don't think they – and again, like, I, um, where I'm soft on, where I don't pay a lot of attention to is, like, beat writer stuff on closer situations. Um, so I may have, a, have blind spots here. But with Pomerantz, when he started out last year, he was not the closer. And he got kind of pegged as the closer by default. Um, and he, um, I think they, he's a high leverage guy for them. He's the best reliever. He can get out righties and get out lefties. He's dominant. I think they want him to be in that position because they're a good team and they want to have him in the highest leveraged situations. Uh, Melanson, I, I think, I think one of the reasons why they got Melanson is because of the type of pitcher he is, which is a pitcher that, that throws Mark Melanson's, which a Mark Melanson is when you when you throw an inning pitched you have a whip that's way higher than one but you somehow find a way through double plays or loading the bases and then deciding to strike people out to get out of the inning without giving up any earned runs and one of the reasons why you can do that is because he's an extreme ground pit ball pitcher and I'm not sure they have that profile on any other of their relievers just because of like I think the organizational philosophy they have a lot of high k guys but a lot of like fly ball guys which i think we saw last year with Their bullpen gave up a ton of big home runs. Um, And so I think that for me, Melanson kind of serves that role where maybe he comes in in an inning where they need to get a ground ball or he's just kind of like um, a guy who pitches a lower leverage situation because I don't think he's a very good reliever. Emilio Pagan can be very, very good. He also has not been so good sometimes as well, right? Like he's an extreme fly ball pitcher. He gives up a lot of hard contact and home runs, but he also has dominating stuff. Um, and then I think one guy who's on uh, Greg's list, which I'm very intrigued by, is Keone Kella. I have not yeah. seen anything at all linking him to the closer's job, but I know that he has been lights out. He's been a closer before. There's no doubt about the stuff. And so why not?
1: Yeah.
0: Why not? You know. Um, you know he's he's already he's hit free agency. You know, so you don't have to worry about arbitration or anything like that. You know, I, I loved Pierce Pierce Johnson, um, you know, it, during the draft champion season. So I have a lot of him on my teams, which I think is just going to be like a big donut for saves. But um, so they've got some other bullpen, but I, Kayla's very interesting to me. Yep. So, um, and I don't know if he's a guy that you draft in a 30, 30, 30, 30 round league but he's certainly some guy that I'm monitoring extremely closely.
1: Yeah, no, when they signed Kella and Melanson, I got really bummed because if it was just Pomerantz and Pagan, we can make that work. I got no problem with that. But And I don't disagree with your Melanson take because uh, I just don't think he's got the closer stuff, that the dominating closer stuff anymore. Like the Giants, I, I watched that wreck. Atlanta, he made it work, but it was never pretty. Uh, Kella, I, I like a lot. I, I was hoping he'd get back to closing in Pittsburgh last year which never really came to be. When it comes to Palm he's the highest drafted, like around 180. Um I like 230. Pagan's 350. kills' not getting drafted right now. Uh Pomerantz, I think is the kind of Taylor Rogers minus all the saves where he'll get a few, but he's the high leverage guy. They're gonna bring him in when it matters the most. Where Pagan, Malance and Kella, that could get interesting. It could be like a raise situation back there where you never know really what's gonna happen. So it's just super tough. I don't mind drafting any of them in uh, deeper leagues. Like we're gonna have saves holds questions later, and I think I, I think Pagana actually drafted like my last pick in Tower Wars in the saves hold league because uh, he's gonna get so many chances back there to do stuff. It's it's just a very tough situation to attack in drafts. But you mentioned take the the lowest guy Pagan's going at three fifty. Kelo's not even get drafted, so Kellis mm-hmm. could be like a Cesar Valdez. Where just keep him on the waiver wire in your mind. Like if you start seeing Kelo pitch pitching the eighth once in a while or something, go jump on him for a buck the next week. Because he's going to start sliding into some saves before you know it. And at worst, he should get you a lot of strikeouts and maybe a win here and there. And stuff. The Padres are going to be good. So just just think about yeah. it that way. Look at look at the positive angles besides just saves at all times.
0: Yeah, and, and I love what you said there about holds leagues. Like in holds leagues, I would target the hell out of the Padres bullpen. Yep. You know, like
1: Yeah, we got a saves hold question coming up that I'm going to spew a lot of stuff because I've played in saves holds for a while and now I actually have to really play in one this year. So um, I have I have a few thoughts on those uh, when we when we get to that situation. Yes, the Padres' idea is definitely one of them. Um, that'll wrap us up, kind of by our p- review of the the position. We have a lot of listener questions here that should probably cover some other stuff. But it's a mess of a deal. If you have more questions, hit us up. If we don't answer them somehow tonight, but. It's a moving board, and like I, I would say, is check out Greg Jewett's board. It's free. It's a sheet, and you subscribe to his coffees and closers. Mm. It's an email that comes free every morning I wake up. I talked about it with Bloomfield, and I talked about it last week. Literally, we wake up in the morning, and on the West Coast, it's already in our email. So I don't know what time it comes out on the East Coast. I don't even look at the time. Every morning, it's there. He ba- It's basically mining the news for relievers. He has all the beat writer quotes. He's got everything you need, and that's how he updates his board all the time. So it's free. All you got to do is give me your email. So go check that out. I would recommend it if you're curious about more saves stuff, um, listener questions. Peter Smith at PTRS PTRSmith08. When relief pitch, what relief pitchers would you target in a head-to-head category league that uses saves, K per nine, and holds as categories? So use saves and holds. Um, you mentioned the Padre situation. Is it I saves think. and
0: holds, or or saves and holds? Like well, two, it, I think it's two uh, separate
1: uh, categories, right? That is. I'm sorry, Peter. That's dumb. <laughs> that's, a, that's just bad. But if that's your league, that's your league. Um, yeah, it might be the way he wrote it down. That you mentioned it. It might be something different. And if that's the case, I, I don't even want to answer it right now because I feel like saying something. Uh,
0: like that. I, I w- what, in that instance, what I would do is target like the Padres bullpen, you know, like yeah, where you but- don't necessarily know where the saves or the holds are going to come from, but they're of equal value. And there are re- there are really good relievers there. So those are the types of bullpens that I would want to go after. The A's is another example of a really good bullpen where you have Rosenthal, but then you also have um, uh, Diekman, you have Trevino, you have Weems, you have, um, who's the guy that I'm forgetting, JB something or other. Wend- Wendelkin. Wendelkin. Um, you know, so that's what I would do in that particular situation. And also with a team like that, right, is like with saves and holds, You know, let's say you grab three, right? Let's say you grab Pagan, Kayla, and Pomerantz. Then you have the possibility of getting two holds and a save in a single win for them,
1: right? If they they win five games that week or something, you're you're rolling.
0: Totally. And so, and I would target mostly holds guys, but just think of saves and holds as totally, oh, it's head to head though. So you need saves and holds.
1: What I'm going to suggest. I hate myself. Well, this is where I—that's why I got frustrated. But now, when you started talking, I started thinking more. Also, okay. the, Ra- the Rays are a great team to target in Holtz formats because mm. you just don't—you don't care anymore. So go get Pete Fairbanks last. Like when I drafted Tout, which just says and Holtz combined. Like my last like five picks were all like seventh, eighth, inning pitchers for holds. Like I, I drafted Liam Hendricks early. That was the only reliever I drafted early. Or, no, it was Glacius. That was it. Mm. I didn't draft another reliever until the end of the draft. But um, for head-to-head, since you're not worried about the overall Roto points system. You can punt a category and be okay. So I wouldn't even waste time on saves because you either need to go all in on saves or all in on holds because you don't want to have depth on your starting roster, I'd assume, to do both. So just get a bunch of holds guys late. A lot of 7 eighth inning guys. Maybe you'll get a save here and there. That's fine. But in head-to-heads, you can punt a category. I just punt saves, load up mm. on more starting pitchers and bats early on, and with late picks, just get all your relievers. That'd be my totally. two cents. Focus, on, holds. Focus yeah. on hold and just punt saves. That'd be my two cents. I think that's a
0: great, I think that's a great strategy, Bubba. Yeah, just a quick update, Bubba. Quick update. How are we, we doing? I have 295 points heading into the fourth quarter with LeBron and Kuzma. I need to get, I think, 355, 356 to win the tournament very challenging. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was about to say, "I don't know about that."
0: <laughs> hey, I'm a dreamer. I'm a believer. I'm, I'm pulling for you. I'm pulling for you. I'm a believer, you. but I'll take like a top 10 finish here. I'll take a top 10 finish here. That would be nice. Um, good luck. The good thing is I do have the potential for actually it's 351. I do have the potential for a LeBron double-double and triple-double bonus. Yeah. So, he's just all he needs is one rebound and three assists this quarter. So LeBron, I'm looking at you. That'll happen. I've never yeah, asked for that, anything from you before, LeBron, or Kirk Kuzma for that matter. But I'm asking, I'm asking for something now. He's
1: gonna say I'm right asking, now.
0: I just tweeted at LeBron and just, Kuzma and I said, hey boys, I need 56 points from you in the fourth quarter combined, DraftKings points, not total points. All right, guys. So if you guys could just do a bunch of passing back and forth to each other and hitting threes every single time, that would be awesome. Maybe a couple missed shots for a, for a board for uh, for LeBron, I'll, I'll be really happy.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna burst your buzzle bubble with any theories or anything. I hope I hope you get it, but I am gonna say something. It, it's funny watching Toby play NBA DFS because he's a baseball mind and he has called Kyle Kuzma Kurt Kuzma. So that shows you everything. That, <laughs> Did that you I go into? Yes. I don't even know what his
0: first name is. It starts
1: with K. It says K. Kuzma right there. I I love it. But uh, all right, back to the listener questions here. Our buddy from Triple Play Fantasy, David Mendelson asks Thoughts on Will Smith? I feel like he gets no love, but I feel he's a closer going underneath a lot of radars. Will Smith in Atlanta. Um, I've personally been drafting Chris Martin where he's been going later in drafts. How are you attacking Will Smith?
0: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the same boat. I don't have any Will Smith. I think he's a really good reliever. I think he'll be very good. Um, I think he'll get some saves. I think Chris Martin will also get some saves. And just because of the cost differential, I'd rather go with Chris Martin. And I'd rather, at that spot in the draft, target somebody who has access to what I think is going to be all the saves. It could be that Will Smith gets all the saves, right? Um, but, you know, I don't necessarily think that that's, that, that, that's going to be the case. But he could be a huge boon if he does,
1: so why not? Yeah, um, Will Smith at 172, Chris Martin at 302. Yeah. I'll, I'll take my chances. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of you, you guys should be sensing a theme by now. If there's any questions, like not an obvious like 70-30 split or something, take the value. Um, Rev Debone Bone, he uh, sent me a DM because he asked a question a while back that we did not get to because that was my bad. So um, he has two questions. He has a closer question and then a starting pitcher question. From before, But we'll start – got a couple questions for the pod. Who is your favorite save spec currently going outside the top 300? His is Jake McGee, um, Chris Martin, or Ottavino. Those are the three he's targeting. We just mentioned Chris Martin, who I've been drafting. I love Jake McGee. I think he is the Giants guy for now, even though Reyes Miranta is the better pitcher. So those are both options. Um, Is there anybody post 300 that you've been targeting? Because you are a weight on saves guy. I think McGee is pre-300. He must have just moved because, well, he just said he's at 300 whenever he texted me Okay, I don't know what ADP he's using. Let me. Yeah, I'm probably thinking 15-team. Um, yeah, he's 270 two, 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 two now. Okay. So, yeah. Um,
0: yeah um, of those guys, Martin. Yep. McGee Martin, who's the other one?
1: Um, Ottavino.
0: Yeah, I think Martin. Just because I think he's a really good pitcher. He doesn't walk guys, strikes out a decent amount of guys. Um, I think you'll have access to save on the Braves. I think the Braves will be better than the Red Sox will be. And I trust the skills more than I do for Ottavino, who struggles against uh, – who has historically struggled against
1: lefties. And then a couple other guys that we've mentioned on the show, um, Tanner Scott, 347, Lucas Sims, 349, and just for Covey Nolan and everybody else listening to the show, Nick Whitgrins at 354. If you just want to go get some Cleveland saves, there you go. There you um, go. And then his other question, I, I I apologize for this, and he he's been really good about it. He messages me, and I forget. Um, if you have time to sneak it in, we are going to sneak it in for you. Uh, who is your favorite arm between Pablo? Um, these are, these are the uh, three Marlins starting pitchers: Pablo Lopez, Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara. He wanted us to rank those three. How we'd approach them in drafts? Uh, Lopez Alcantara
0: and Sanchez in that order
1: for me. 100% on the same page. Uh, if you want volume, it's Sandy. If you want the best overall pitcher that should be the best overall pitcher, it's Pablo. If you just want to have fun and watch GIFs all day, it's Sixto, but that doesn't really <laughs> help That doesn't really help your fantasy team. G- GIFs don't get you no fantasy. You know, all I'll say is uh, you should listen to the Megapod between the pitcher list, You know Alex Fast, Nick Pollock, and the Rates and Barrels guys, DVR, and um, Eno Saris. They had a really good Sixto-Sanchez discussion. So I recommend people check that out. It was very, very good about it was fun because they were all comparing their rankings and where they differed, and they had discussions on why they differed and stuff like that. Six to was one I gotta listen
0: to that pod. It
1: was, it was they, you know and they even said it at the end. Well, we could do this for three more hours. I'm like, I I've been there's been two a lot of long pods lately, but that's one the way they were discussing their differences. I was like, hmm, this is intriguing I could sit and listen to this one. But um Lil Book of Calm, C-A-L-M. Says in a standard five by five league, how valuable are saves versus quality innings from relief pitchers? Example Brad Hand is projected for 30 saves with a 3.6 ERA and 70 strikeouts, while Nick Anderson is projected for 15 saves but a 3.1 ERA and 100 strikeouts. How bad must the relief pitcher be before their saves aren't worth their stats? Does that make sense to you?
0: Yeah, it's a really good, good question. question. Um. First of all, I never look at projected saves.
1: Yeah. Just because... You just can't project that stuff. It's just,
0: yeah. It's just like, it's like pitcher wins. I don't... It's hard to
1: project project wins. Yeah, it's like wins. It's hard enough to
0: project just pitchers in general.
1: Pitcher projections are, yeah. But hitter's projections are much more easier than pitcher's projections, I would think.
0: Yeah. um, And so, you know, it's a really good question. I mean, because it's not just a question of, which one is more valuable, right? It's also opportunity cost. So it's kind of like, I mean, in the example that you gave, you know, Nick Anderson is going later and fewer saves versus Brad Hand earlier and saves. So in a standalone league, I mean, I would probably go towards Anderson just because you don't need to finish, you don't need to finish as high in saves, right? And you can protect your ratios. The reason why saves, you know, at least in the NFBC competitions that I focus on primarily, they're generally overalls. And so you need to have saves. You don't have to have saves. So I think in a standalone league, I would lean towards Anderson in that case because he is so good. Um, and I think the ratio benefit outweighs the, the save benefit. But in like an overall competition or something like that, you need to have saves. And so I think in that instance, I'd rather have hand if they're straight up but again, they're not going at the same cost. And so it's also just a question of what hitters are you missing out or what starting pitchers are you missing out on by grabbing the guy earlier as well? And who are you missing out on at, at that pick 150? So I don't think it's one where you can say this one definitely outweighs that one. I just think that those are kind of the considerations as you draft. And then another question ultimately is, can you get the next Nick Anderson off the waiver wire, right? Yeah. Maybe not next, the next Les Anderson, but there's always elite arms in the bullpen come out of nowhere and you can tell pretty quickly that that they're going to be really really good and so i would just draft good players because they're still available at that point in the draft and and draft those ratio guys later or speculate on saves later that's my general
1: focus and it's a good point like with nick anderson devin williams try to find the next one of them instead of drafting them per se so that's one way to definitely go about it uh nessie at little fantasy mo says I've heard that K-to-Walk percentage is relatively sticky over time and correlates well with ERA. My Dynasty League has saves and holds. doesn't specify if they're separate or not. So role isn't important. So it must mean they're the same. Okay. Is it a viable strategy to build a bullpen based on the K-to-Walk percentage leaderboard? 2018 to 2020, top 15 includes Duffy, May, Green, and Gallegos. I'd say that's not a bad way to start. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's a bad way to start either, but I don't think you should
0: look at that large of a sample size.
1: True. That, because because in bullpens.
0: Yeah. Just because there's so much fluctuation year to year. So I I'd just identify high-skilled bullpen arms. So like May is a good example of, I think, a high-skilled bullpen arm. Gallegos is an example of a high-skilled bullpen arm. With Duffy, for instance, like you have to look at the recent contacts, like the decreased velocity. I have a lot of concerns about what he's going to do bullpen-wise. And so that would be an example of a guy where I wouldn't want to get him right now because of what's happening just recently. And I know it's just spring training. It's just spring training, but I'm going based on the velocity, right? He's under 90, I think, averaging under 90, um, which just makes all of his pitches worse because he's got that really good slider, I think it is. So that's kind of how I would approach that um, from my perspective.
1: Yeah, and like we mentioned, Grewett, uh, J- Greg Jewett's chart, uh, roster Resource has their bullpen metrics, whatever – you can see like a like a whole overall bullpen death chart basically. Just start looking at good teams with good seventh, eighth, eight, any eight relievers. Look at that route because it, it changes so much. The reliever landscape changes year to year, so just keep an eye on that. Uh, Jordan S writes: What to do when closers are overvalued in your auction league? At what point do you punt saves versus paying the extra cost to complete in that category? I, for me personally, I don't do a lot of auctions to begin with, but. The idea of paying a lot of money for a closer if it's an AL, if it's a combo like mixed league, is crazy to me. I just get a bunch like one and two dollar guys late. But what about you? So it's an auction league.
0: Sorry, LeBron James just got a triple double. Just 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 that wanted to. That just, was a given though. That was just, a given. Just check. Happy. Just just I'm just, you know. So it's it's an auction
1: league. Is it AL only? You said, or it's not? It, it didn't. I said if it was a mixed league, I wouldn't okay. even pay for saves. If it's an only league, I could see the appeal of like getting like two guys and just locks it all down for you.
0: And it's just an auction league. That's the only question.
1: Yes, he says it's an basically auction a, Basically, at what point do you punt saves versus paying the extra cost to complete it in that category? Basically, when closers are overvalued in the auction.
0: When yeah, says, screw
1: it. I'm not. Yeah, paying. I mean,
0: I think that would be the last thing that I wouldn't want to spend I would money want to spend on yeah yeah and so i think like in the auction i mean maybe even i mean i don't know i'm i i will preface this by saying i don't play auctions so this is all just thinking about it if i saw that closers were going too much i would wait and try to target some of the low, lower closers once people started running out of money or and i don't know if this is a viable strategy or people try this regularly but you know, there's a lot of relievers that have the possibility of getting saves. And I don't know whether it's a strategy in auction leagues just to save like a bunch of $1 bids, you know, at the end of the, end of the auction, or even during the draft auction where you just throw out, like for $1, I'm going to throw out like, um, who are some guys that we talked about? Like Lucas Sims, Mm -hmm. you know, or for $1, I'm going to throw out, um, uh you know Kyle Crick of the Pirates or uh, Narris, you know, so if you do enough of those because the thing is you know and again, I think it depends on the rules and when your first fab run is in that auction, but if the fab run is before the season, then you know then that that, that that's you know kind of the strategy is you 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 throw those bids out, you get those guys and maybe one or two of them hit you hope. And if not, then you just toss them out and you go after other guys. Um, So, anyways, is that too rudimentary? Is that too basic?
1: No, that's exactly what
0: I just said. That's why Mike, you agree with me. I agree with you, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be distracted while I'm on this podcast, you know, but.
1: Zaddy Guerrero Jr. asks, was going to ask the same thing, when to punt saves, but more viable in ALNL only leagues. So, ALNL only, I think we agree. I'd I'd pay for saves, but. Right. would you punt in an ALNL only as well?
0: Um, I mean, I think I never like to punt a category, but I think it's if a standalone league, then I think you strategically try to think about what, look at the standings in previous seasons and try to think about what your general target is for saves and then wh- whatever you think can get you there. So maybe it's just get one closer or those speculative ads. I mean, I don't want to give the same answer to every single question but it's like i'm a speculator
1: yep you are you, ryan, Blue, ryan bloomfield writes about you every week You're the, it's, the, it's the toby it's the toby oh club. my god um, no i live
0: but, i live in gold country you know so i'm just like it's the new 21st century speculator is on saves in fantasy baseball
1: love it uh doug fraley jr asks i've always lobbied for holds to be considered a standard category What's your take on diversifying the relief pitcher landscape more in the fancy mainstream? Funny you ask that, Doug. Um, Tout wars this year. I am in a new league where they did saves and holds to get rid of saves. And I've played in the saves and hold leagues for quite a long time uh, in this one league I've been in, but it's yes. Industry wise, it's not a deal, but uh, the geniuses behind tout Chandler and Sola and Erickson and all that they've been thinking about ways to do it. And they incorporated holds to make it saves and holds for the exact reasoning you were talking about are one of the reasons you are talking about. And I think it's a great way to go about it. I think it's, we're going to see how it works this year. The only thing I'll say is kind of like my strategy. And if you're curious, want to read, there's an article on it, but um, it's, you really don't have to be aggressive on closers and that, that, so your drafting is different because literally if it saves and holds, there's so many holds out there. There really are. And there's so many holds on the waiver wire, like throughout the season. So it changes that respect of it. But, I think it's with the way the game's moving I think it makes more sense because we just we went through like six or seven teams that have committee issues and there's a lot more than that so it's that there's a reason why people are paying for saves or there's questions about paying for saves because locking down quote unquote set saves is not easy anymore so I think it's going that direction uh, any thoughts for you toby
0: yeah I think it's a, I, I, I hate the idea honestly I think it's it totally devalues I mean just because the category is scarce, just because it's hard doesn't mean you abandon it when you move to save and hold you totally eliminate so much of the strategy you do yeah. you like it's 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 not unlike for me the two catcher thing the argument is catchers aren't good so why do you need to roster 30 of them right and i can understand why it's no fun to do that number 1 you don't have to do that You can draft good catchers. That is a strategy to employ.
1: And- But they get hurt so easily, Toby. Why would you do that? Sorry, Mm -hmm. continue.
0: (laughs) and, And again, like everybody can like the game that you like. You should play the game that you think is most fun. For me, strategically, the saves piece is challenging. Even though I punt, not punt saves, even though I wait on saves, I have a very different approach than a lot of people on saves. It's still part of an overall strategy, right? of recognizing that you are going to leave a draft with a weakness and taking your chances there whereas with holds, like why would i even why would i draft any relief pitcher in the first i mean if i was like literally if i was in a 30 team draft my last three picks would be relief pitchers it's true you know and they'd be like whoever i thought on the padres wasn't going to get the closer role or whoever was left over or the a's or all these other really really good bullpens um and i just really don't i really don't like that um if they were to make that switch it would really take a lot of the fun out of the game i think
1: yeah we'll see like i'm, I'm curious to see where it keeps going there's been chatter about it for a while now but yeah i agree it's it i literally did not need to draft any closer if you didn't want to i'm curious to see how it plays out though because there were guys that drafted closers like it was normal Yeah. and i'm curious to see how that finishes the regular season i yeah, i that- it's gonna be interesting, to say the least. Cause the difference is the, the only difference I can think of is you can get closers with 30 to 40 saves where the most holds you see is like what 20 to 25. So I guess it turns into that kind of counting. And that's where I think it'll get interesting to see where that plays out. Yeah. But you yeah. can you can stream, I mean, and I mean, stream stream holds so easy. It's like it's easy you can, it's like streaming starting pitchers, but easier.
0: Totally. And it's, the thing is, and yes, it's like I I know that the push is to get like Well, you should be drafting the highest skilled reliever. Yes. And it's like, well, great. Like we don't know. We don't know right now who the highest skilled relievers are going to be. We don't know. I would. I would gamble that ten. That five of the ten highest skilled relievers are not even going to be drafted. Oh In the first three rounds. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, and so yeah, you could look for those guys and try to draft those guys as part of your strategy. So. Maybe that's a new strategy, but I don't really think it's a strategy because you can just pick those guys up off the waiver wire like nobody's business.
1: Yep. And, like, holds, if you think about it, holds even bad teams like the Giants and stuff. You get a Javi Lopez, like a loogie. Like and obviously, you can't do that anymore. They have to throw to three batters. But you used to be able to get, like, a lefty guy. You know is coming in for one or two batters. He might get you a strikeout. Low, low ratios and get you a hold like three or four holds a week because that's all you do had no outcome on the game pretty much whatsoever but it's a hold so it's it's a finicky category i get both sides of the argument i'm curious to see how it plays out because i thought more people would just say screw it like i did and just wait till the end and a lot of guys did it business as usual so i'm very curious to see if you do need those closers to win saves and holds i don't think you do but i'm curious so that'll be fun to see um, Cody Mac, our buddy Comac, do and there's no soccer involved here. My league uses net saves, which really makes it hard to carry non closers. Is the definition of a save antiquated? Why can saves be blown but in the sixth inning when the percentage of saves awarded to relievers coming in that early is so very low? Also, how do I convince my league to change?
0: Yeah, that's a tough one because it's such a strong disincentive to yeah to have a a guys that aren't in the closer role in that particular instance. So, I mean, I guess it partially does its job in some ways, but, um, yeah, I mean, and blown saves are like, if your closer comes in with the bases loaded and they're in the ninth inning and they give up a sacrifice fly, they've blown the save, but, other guy gets the loss but it's like you get the blown save so i don't know stop messing around with these convoluted formats things yeah i know i know i'm such a i don't want to come off as like a you know like conservative traditionalist when it comes to it but i think the reason why these categories have stuck for as long as they have is because they're multifaceted from a strategic perspective, which is not to say that the other ones
1: aren't. But yeah, but I think, I the, argue, I think the argument now is the value or the save, or I guess the situation of a save, is so much different than it was even five years ago. Yeah. So it's just it's a weird, weird situation. Um, I know. I'm no
0: fun on these ones.
1: <laughs> John Gaser asks, "Who is your top closer in waiting?" Uh, there's a lot of them. I'm gonna say that right out the gate. Um, obviously, I'm a fan of Nick Wittigren. I could probably name off like six or seven guys. Uh, do you have a top closer in waiting for you? Top closer in waiting.
0: Um, I'll just go through here and let you know who I like. Um, Chris Martin, I don't know if he's a closer in waiting, but obviously like him. Um, I, uh, let's see. Mm. Closer in waiting. not i mean i I don't think uh richard rodriguez is gonna have the job in with the pirates i feel like they've said that he's not gonna have the job so i guess kyle crick maybe or david bednar who i think is really good rule five pick he's been lights out um this spring so those are two guys um that's the nl you know kind of closers of interest thing you know you said you mentioned Whit Grin like I love Whit Grin he's a guy that I would really like yeah I mean I don't know if there's closures in waiting really I don't necessarily love the closures in waiting I like a lot of the closures that are going
1: late yeah I guess if I had to name any other ones like uh, Scott Barlow with Kansas City because eventually Greg Holland's going to be gone at some point in time, he's either going to How lose the job you? or he's going to get traded. He's, no, I have you? a lot of Greg Holland too, but let's be realistic. He's either getting traded or he's losing the job at some point. He's not He's not going to be there.
0: Well, according to the spring training record of the Royals, they're going to win the division, so <laughs> there's no reason they'll have to trade him.
1: Um Seattle, Kendall Graveman, I keep an eye on as much as it pains me to see. He's actually good out of the bullpen last year, and Montero's Montero. We talked about that already. So that's someone to keep an eye on. Um, I know you're a Jose Leclerc guy. I am not, so – it was Jolie Rodriguez for me. Ian Kennedy is on the radar now, which is terrifying, but he's there also. But yeah, there's not a lot of great ones. Nick Woodgren's my favorite one, but it's nasty. It's nasty to say the least. Um, our last listener question Rakesh Patel at Unicorn 500 asks, would love to hear some of your favorite sparps or bulk inning relievers. Funny you mentioned that, Rakesh. Ooh, um, you you got this one because you know me; I'm bad at this. I uh, I've been trying to like write every day just to kind of keep my mind fresh, and it helps me, you know, kind of do things. So I I, I write a little blurb here and there, and I did some long relievers because everyone's talking about Freddie Peralta, and I think he's awesome. Like he's a very very good one, but he might actually make the rotation now, so he's not a long reliever anymore. But when I was in love with him, he was a long reliever. So I think he's really really good. I've been growing more fond of Michael Kopeck because they basically said they wanted him for 70 to 100 innings, kind of in a long reliever role. So I think he's very, very intriguing. If you can get him in short two to three inning spurts, where he can still throw 99 to 100 plus, he's going to get a lot of strikeouts for you. So I think he's very, very intriguing. You mentioned Jose DeLeon earlier. I think he is an awesome spark if he does not make the rotation, because he will be their long man in Cincinnati. He's looked outstanding this spring. He's always had the prospect pedigree. He just can't stay healthy. He'd be one I'd have circled. Um, for the Tampa Bay Rays, the king of sparks, Josh Fleming is an outstanding one. He had five wins in a shortened season. He's basically their new Ryan Yarborough. So I think Fleming is one I circle in a big, big way because he's basically undrafted or very late in drafts. So those are some that I look at now. There's a there's few on all the teams that that have chances, but those are some that I have circled at the moment.
0: Yeah. I think those are all good ones. I assume um did you mention Freddie Peralta?
1: yeah was so the first name I mentioned. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. There was a there was there was a lot of great examples there. That was the one that jumped to my mind. But yeah. I'm not good at knowing like the relief pitcher eligible guys. And just to keep you guys updated, I'm I'm not getting anywhere close to to it here. <laughs> so yeah, I, I wasn't stop.
1: I wasn't gonna say it, but uh, I know that's that, so. LeBron's forty percent owned, give or take. So there's a lot of guys in front of you that probably have him.
0: I uh, know it's it's Kyle Kuz, Kyle Kuzma Kyle yes well done Kyle great. Kuzma's fault he gave me a little he gave me a little um a little uh, icicle you know oh that's a the worst snowflake, yep. little snowflake on me when you get the um, snowflake it's over so LeBron was LeBron
1: was great LeBron yeah, he has the flames great. he has the flames he's got the flames Just, I love the Kuzma, flames. Kuzma's got the snowflake yeah. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. But uh, that wraps up Relief Pitchers Preview. Final thoughts on one of the favorite positions in all fantasy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I like to wait on on getting closers, uh, which I know isn't everybody's cup of tea. But, you know, saves are going to be really challenging to get this year. But at the same time, we also said that last year, and people managed to do it. And I think it's really something you got to grind and feel comfortable with. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I feel comfortable I I feel comfortable about grinding and trying to get um, guys off the waiver wire. I've had decent success with that in the past. And so for that reason, I'm willing to wait, but that's not, not for everybody necessarily. So recognize where your, where your strengths, where your weaknesses might be or your perceived strengths and weaknesses, your self perceived, um, if that's a thing, um, strengths and weaknesses and how that plays into the approach. But I think it should be really fun. I mean, you know, I I love watching bullpens and watching guys who, come out of nowhere to have a lot of success so best of luck to all of you i know this is the last preview review i think that we're doing before the season hits here so um best of luck with all of your fantasy drafts i hope both the previews from long ago and now the preview
1: reviews have been really helpful to folks um and if not reach out to us with questions in the meantime yep always willing to help you out but uh, like toby said there's different ways to go about it I, I don't mind trying to get one of the top guys, and then kind of getting guys later in the draft. That's my approach. Uh, obviously, Toby does very well with his approach. I, the only approach I don't really condone, or at least I don't like, is getting two of them really early. I think that really, you know, you're passing up on some serious value at that point in time. And then if you're going to work the waiver wires, if you wait too long, it gets too expensive, and that's when it sucks. But like, do stuff like Toby does and pay attention and be trying to be a week early. Like I mentioned a few guys. If you see they're doing well, there's spots potentially opening them for a buck a week or two early if they don't get it you drop them it doesn't crush you if you wait till they're actually the closer that one dollar turns into we've seen it go as high as a couple hundred bucks like it gets dumb and then you then you pray they are the closer when we've seen how many times they end up losing the job again and that one stings in a big way so you got to kind of be proactive but that's the name of fab and that's why toby's really really good at this stuff is he's jumps on those guys that's why guys like vlad and those guys they're a week, week, two weeks early. A lot of times, and that's 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 huge, saving money like that. But um, yeah, if you guys have anything else, hit us up with questions. We'll be back with I bold predictions or something like that next week, as it'll be our last. No, technically we'll have one more episode because it'll be the Tuesday before opening day. Opening day is on Thursday, so we'll have oh, two man. more episodes, two uh, more. Episodes. If you have more listener questions, like the big draft weekends or this weekend or next weekend, so keep the questions coming, and we'll see what's up. Is
0: it the thirtieth or the thirty-first?
1: the the season starts on the 1st april 1st thursday the first
0: thursday okay so yeah. yeah i'll be able to do it cuz i have a big, i have a draft on the 31st night of the 31st and the That's night of Wednesday. the 29th
1: so like right oh, so, squeezed in between so will squeeze, be we'll squeeze in between them. he won't be tired yeah. or anything guys. He'll, he'll, be he'll be good he'll be good he'll be tilting one, I draft, won't be two, totally one really draft yeah <laughs> yeah i have a, i have
0: drafts on the the day of the 27th the night of the 28th the night of the 29th the night of the 31st
1: yeah i'm with you I, I mine are loading up in a big big way i'm happy and not at the same time
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like i just want to i'd love doing it but i'm ready to just start the season let's do this For sure. but uh the last thing i'll mention is i'm watching the giants game as we do this and reyes maranta came on to pitch in the sixth and i'm a big guy that boy's healthy right now like not in a good way healthy like pablo sandoval small about him so really? That's why now, with your pitching wise, he did okay, like he did good. But uh, you look at Greg Jewett's list, he's in red right now, next to it, conditioning. It says, Now I know why that boy, big. So, uh, we're gonna have to watch that because he should be the closer. But (laughs) if he's coming in looking like that, I don't think Kappler's gonna want to be too kind to that. Mm -hmm. But, um, all right, everybody, that'll wrap us up. You can find Toby on Twitter at batfootcrazy. I am at Bedientric. Go check out both the podcast, the Batfoot Crazy podcast, and the Bench with Bubba podcast. Go rate review them if you haven't already. All that fun stuff. But until next time, this was your relief pitcher preview review. Catch you guys later.
0: That is going to wrap us up for episode 171 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast and edition number 75 above in the Batflip. Hope you all enjoyed that. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sticking with us through these early season previews and the position preview reviews. I hope you have found um, all of the position uh, previews and reviews very helpful uh, in your... Draft prep, but um, yeah, let us know. Uh, let us know what you think about the way that we kind of approach these um, this season, and, and whether that's something that we should do next year as well. But in the meantime, um, I hope everybody's draft prep is going well. We're here in the nitty gritty. There's new news every day, so uh, should be a fun last couple weeks of the season before we actually, or of the preseason before we uh, before we hit the season. So best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Best of luck with all your fantasy drafts. Take care and be kind to one another.